Hey everyone, C-Note here, and welcome back to Super Myers Breaks Turbo EX. We are bringing this show back, and there is a little bit of a change that's going to happen as a result of this. I, I was thinking about the shift that I had made before, and essentially trying to make this show, really transition the show and my, my work with Myers-Briggs, and transition it over to Dopamine, which is my mental health and creative development show. Um, and I've been using it there in some context, but... Uh, I've realized that there's still a lot of me that wants to speak about Myers-Briggs in just kind of like a fun, looser capacity, uh, talking about fictional characters, talking about how we can use this in in fun, interesting ways to talk about, um, you know, how we can sort of further type knowledge in a fun way that still takes it seriously and talks about this in a, in a way that sort of helps with with personal development, but I can speak specifically to typology knowledge. And I can assume that you, the audience member, have some basic knowledge of typology, or you can go to my course, which is going to be linked in the description, or you can go to dopamine.teachable.com to sign up for the free Myers-Briggs course that I do. And that kind of brings you up to speed on the basics. And really just talk about Myers-Briggs from, you know, a very specific, um, you know, within that world in a way where it's kind of tough to bring that to translate that world to a podcast that is not specifically about that. So I'm still going to be using it within dopamine, but I want to bring um, this show back in a way that is fun and isn't taking itself too seriously, but at the same time is still taking typology seriously because typology is important for personal development. Um, but it's still fun. It's still something fun that we can do to get people interested in typology and sort of pontificate about uh, fictional characters and things like that. And I'm also learning that I don't need to respond to comments or, or anything like that. So that kind of helps me to just be like, you know what? Let's just talk about what I think I know about these fictional characters, and we can talk about all sorts of um, you know different perspectives, fictional or real people, um, but people I have no, not met personally, and just try to break down why I think they're a certain type or something that I've you know if I notice patterns about certain types and things like that, um, I think I'll do episodes about that on this show in the future. So, but today, after that long-winded intro, I want to talk about Captain Marvel. So. Um, careful for spoilers. I'm going to do the best I can to not talk about too many spoilers, but I'm definitely going to talk about spoilers in this show about Captain Marvel. So this is your warning. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler warning. If you have not watched Captain Marvel, which you should, it's pretty amazing. Um, you know, then we'll go see the movie and then come back and watch this. Um, I'm talking about the MCU version of Captain Marvel, and I want to break down her personality type and how that personality type, um, her being this personality type, which I'll reveal after the intro, um, it, it's in the title too, so whatever, <laughs> um, that this personality type really embodies her character and that the writers did a really good job of sort of staying within the realm of this personality type. So let's break it down today on Super Mario's Briggs Turbo EX. Let's go. Okay. All right, spoiler, she's an ESTJ. 
<laughs> I think that's what uh, Captain Marvel's personality type is, uh, based on what I've experienced in the movie, and uh, I'm going to kind of explain it uh, as best as I can. So, just a bit of a disclaimer, I have not met Brie Larson or Captain Marvel um, as a fictional character, or any of the writers or anything like that. This is me doing the best that I can based on what was presented in the movie. Um to sort of break down what her personality type is. Um, and in her, really her personality doesn't start to shine until you get to the part in the movie where she's, uh, she's been captured by the scrolls and she's breaking free from, you know, from the, uh, the, the, the memory device that is sort of trying to reveal some of her past so that people, the scrolls can extract information from her. Um, and you really start to see how ruthless she is as she's coming out of this machine and just sort of taking down the scrolls and is not intimidated by anything and is very direct and very matter, matter of fact. And for that reason, I do think she is a TE dominant. She's an extroverted thinker dominant. Um, there's a couple other reasons. I wish I recorded this like the day after I saw the movie. <laughs> so I'm going to do my best to recall specifics as best as I can. Um, but I do recall a couple of times when they were doing flashbacks of, um, of her, her in flight school talking about always wanting to win and taking shortcuts. And she made an excuse. She made some sort of uh, reasoning behind shortcuts. She, she just said like, you know, there was no rule against shortcuts or something like that. Um, she was just always taking the most direct route to solve a problem and very succinct with her wording and very dir- just very direct and um, was not very much a, you know, explainer or pontificator. This character was very much just looking for what is the action item? What is the thing that I can do? What is something that I can, that I can, uh, take care of right now. Right. And she's always looking for something, even in the the early stages of the film where they kind of, they really jump from her being like kind of a rookie sort of vibe to being seasoned, um, which was kind of like a weird jump early on in the movie, um, where she's like with Jude Law and the other, um, I forget what the, the, the Cree sort of group is called, but, um, the group of the Cree fighters, as it were, um, they, she just kind of looked a little bit inexperienced or at least was presented as being like a rookie or inexperienced in some sort of way. But then after the scroll scene, you're just like, Oh, she knows what she's doing and she's very action oriented. Even when they get onto the planet where they like right before that scene, um, or I think it was right after that scene. I can't remember. It was right. I think it was right before that scene. Um, when they were on the, the planet where there was these other, um, where the scrolls were impersonating the other sort of uh, indigenous people, she was very eager to take action on something. You know, she sees it, she's like, "Let's go, let's get, let's let's handle it, let's get it done," right? And she's just been very much like that through the entire movie. That's pretty much the the impetus for her entire character is just that forward motion, just uh, just go, 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 right? And, um, she's, she's certainly extroverted in her comfort in the outside world and, um, you know, just not afraid to really put her, her, uh, opinion out on the table as it were. So, um, on the other side of this, there's her, her inferior, not her inferior, but her, um, her tertiary function of extroverted intuition comes out quite often when she's like poking at people and playing and having fun. She's a very playful character, which I think, which I think happens actually accidentally because of Brie Larson being her personality. I don't know Brie Larson's personality type, but there's some extroverted intuition in there. She's a very playful person. Um, 
So bringing that humor into Captain Marvel uh, really worked within, you know, within her, those moments where she could be playful and uh, kind of being in that loop of being uh, in the outside world. And just like, you know, she's very punchy. <laughs> she's very punching things and, and seeing what happens. Right. So she's not only getting things done, but she's not afraid to try something new uh, in order to try to get something done. She's not relying just on tried and true information, but there's a lot of playfulness within there and she's taking risks and, um, you know, being very uh, uh, extroverted, intuitive, like, right. So the, the entire movie, it almost seems like her being a part of the Cree soldiers is her being in her version of the extroverted loop of extroverted thinking and extroverted intuition as a way for her to, as a way for that character to sort of keep spinning her wheels in the Cree soldier, uh, you know, in the, in the Cree group so that she's not having to, uh, either reconcile with her past or get in touch with her introverted feeling to make the determination that she doesn't belong there and that she has other things that she needs to, to, to tackle. Right. And very much early on in the movie, Jude law is kind of getting at her and trying to suppress her emotional state, her in, in her inferior introverted feeling beacon. He, he knows instinctively that that's what she would need to, figure out her path, like what is her conviction? Where is she going to go? Um, and he, he realizes that if he can just keep masking her emotional state, make sure that she's not accessing her emotions, that she's going to stay in that loop and she's going to stay in that army with him, with the Kree, right? So that's basically what I was seeing throughout the movie and throughout that kind of uh, that situation there. And throughout the movie, she's essentially... <clears throat> developing her introverted feeling and her introverted sensing uh, basically at the same time in a lot of ways, right? As she's balancing all the punchiness and, and accessing all her extroverted thinking by just, you know, immediately going after and taking action on things. She's had to, throughout the course of the movie, slow down to assess the values of you know, what it is that she's doing because she was so convinced that the Kree were the heroes and the scrolls were the evil people, um, that throughout the movie she's had to, that script got flipped on its head where the scrolls came out to be essentially, um, or at least the scrolls that they were interacting with were just trying to be, were refugees escaping the Kree essentially. And, um, she had not seen that side of the scroll. She's only been convinced through a blurry introverted sensing her past that she thought the scrolls were responsible for the death of Marvell uh, and the death of, of, uh, or the, or the, you know, the death of her past life essentially. So her blurry memory remembers a skull, a scroll shooting at her. But by the end of the movie, you come out, you come to find out it's actually Jan Rog as she starts to become as she starts to essentially slow down, which fits this, the sort of the center part of the movie where it, everything slows down and she takes time to access her introverted sensing, her secondary function, which is usually the best way to develop your character as anyone. And she took that time to access her memories, to go through, like literally she was going through pictures. Like that is such an introverted sensing trope of anyone who doesn't have that as their dominant uh, and needs to do some developing. You know, you kind of going through your past and filtering through pictures and, and uh, recalling memories and 
and sort of learning from those past memories, right? So she needed to go through and meet up with her friend Maria Rambeau and Monica Rambeau to uh, to to go through her past and you know remember who uh, Wendy Lawson was, Mar- um, Marvell essentially, <coughs> yeah, and go back into this place where she's you know, remembering who she was, remembering her past life on earth and what happened to her as she got her powers and, and, um, you know, how her past is essentially inextricably linked to the plot. And it's no coincidence that as she uncovered her past, which is also a movie trope and a storytelling trope, but it works within this character type, um, which is why I think it works so well that, her literally unlocking her past and understanding where her powers came from and where, um, you know, that it was Jan Rog who was trying to manipulate her and gaslight her and understanding that Wendy Lawson is the person that she looked up to and, um, is the one that was, uh, using the Tesseract to create, uh, what essentially the, the hyperdrive that essentially gave her her powers once she unlocked all of those memories and stitched everything back together that's when she came back into full force when she came into full form not only that but she had to go into her introverted feeling inferior when she was introduced to the idea that the scrolls were not the evil villains that she thought they were and that everything that she had experienced in her basically by unlocking her pa- unlocking her past she came face to face with her present um, being, you know, not the direction that she wanted to go in, um, in terms of her introverted feeling, she needed to access her own internal emotional state in order to figure out, you know, to change direction, to change direction in life. And that's typically, you know, when there's any sort of big revelation going on with someone's personality within their stack, within, um, within life goals, there's, this big shift within their inferior function, typically. And this is something that doesn't happen very often. It's something that when you're going through development and you're learning how to grow as a person, you will sometimes realize that the big picture aspect of what you want is going to change based on a culmination of changes in your life. For me, my extroverted feeling has been taking over a lot more in a positive way, making sure that I do business with people in an ethical way. And that I am working with people that bring me energy and bring my community energy. And I really care about the people that I'm working with. Whereas in the past, I didn't really consider the needs of my extroverted feeling inferior. I'm an INTP, by the way. So with Captain Marvel, she needed to access her introverted feeling to tie those introverted sensing memories to bring introverted feeling along with it to give her a new path. And that new path was to end the Kree scroll war because of what she saw between both sides, that the Kree were not as great as she thought they were. The Supreme intelligence was not as uh, great as she thought it was. And the scrolls were not all bad and um, it wasn't as black and white. Right. And it's kind of, again, that dichotomy of like extroverted thinking can typically be black and white. These are the facts. This is the information. These are the things that I need to act on. And her introverted feeling inferior was activated when she started to see the, the nuance, the difficulties, the, the 
imbalance of everything that was happening in the universe and that there is so much going on that is not black and white. And she, she's learned how to access that. And that's basically at that point is when she unlocked her full potential and she was able to, you know, physically access her powers and remove the, the restraints that were on her and unleash and let loose on the Kree spacecrafts and, you know, basically go full binary. So, you know, that all of that made me essentially feel pretty confident that she was an ESTJ. And, you know, um, with the movie essentially being centered around that introverted tenting trope of trying to remember her past, um, it was just like such an important growth point for her character um, in relation to her extroverted thinking, her extroverted intuition and her introverted feeling. And that, that introverted sensing and introverted feeling dynamic is really interesting to think about because, you know, you think about the dominant and tertiary loop, as it were, you think about first and third function and they tend to work together, meaning that loop kind of keeps you spinning your wheels. Whereas the secondary and ter- and uh, inferior sort of combination, I don't want to call it a loop because it's not really a loop, is more of a dependence, right? It's like that secondary function needs to grow so that the in- inferior function can grow along with it, right? So again, for me, with my introver- extroverted feeling, I've needed to develop my extroverted intuition so that I can meet all of the right people that I want to meet and take the risks that I want to come across the people that are going to be the best suited people that are going to support me and be uh a positive force in my life. Whereas the same thing with, with Captain Marvel, she has this experience with her developing her, her introverted sensing. And as a result, all of these emotions come up and everything that she's working through comes up and her entire past or entire trajectory changes based on what she's experienced, you know, in her past and, and checking in with that. And, and essentially her past, her introverted sensing helps define her introverted feeling values as it were, and then gives her an action to take. Right. So now she's redefined her goals, her, her, everything that she wants out of life, everything that she wants to be and contribute to. And now she can take action on it and use all of her extroverted thinking dominance to go out there and just destroy. (laughs) So, um, you know, that's basically the breakdown there. And I think Brie Larson did an amazing job of emoting all of those ideas. She really played the character really well. She really fit that personality type really well. Um, and I think particularly in the slower scenes when you can sort of, you know, introverted feeling and introverted sensing are really hard to emote. And I think she does a really killer job of just, being a bit stoic about it and realizing that that personality type is just going to hold back their emotions. They're going to work through their emotions internally. And it wasn't really until like the middle of the movie where again, where the scrolls were revealing that they were refugees that she essentially had to reconcile with her introverted feeling bursting out slowly. You know, it didn't come out in like a big roar or anything like that. It was just, there was some, there was some anger. There was some frustration. There was some complex emotions that were bubbling to the surface. And that's basically what happened. It was like leaking out. It wasn't like a big explosion of emotion, like an extroverted feeler might have. It was a very slow, complex, um, evolution of emotional growth and, uh, connecting with her best friend and, 
sort of that pivot moment is when she unlocked and listened to her introverted feeling and rerouted her direction and her destiny as a result. So all of that is essentially what I got out of the movie and what I got out of this character. I think, again, I think they did really, a really good job when you think about it in that sense. And I love how Myers-Briggs has helped me to be able to appreciate characters that are really well-written like that so that I can really see that like, okay, this, this character is consistent with a Myers-Briggs type. That's pretty cool. That means that, you know, the, the authors had um, consideration for who this person should be, or, you know, or maybe it just happened to be that way because of sometimes Brie Larson, you know, sometimes the actor's character uh, mixes in with the, the, you know, with the character and makes this personality type <laughs> in a way. Um, and it just kind of worked out. Whereas like for, for instance, like Tony Stark is in the comics, he seems like he's presented as more of an INTP type of character, but because uh, Robert Downey Jr. is more of an ENFP naturally, he brings that extroverted values to him and, but sort of emulates that introverted thinking and uh, you kind of end up with an, with an ENTP in a way. So, um, you know, it's kind of interesting if you go back and watch like the first Iron Man movies, maybe the first two, they're there's just a lot more solitude to that character, even though he's quippy and he's fun and he's got some joy to him. He's very much like, I want to spend time on my own, (laughs) you know? And I, uh, and you know, again, I think it's the Robert Downey Jr. being a natural extrovert and an actor and all of that stuff kind of brings out the, the extroverted part of it, but that's not what this is about. This was about Captain Marvel. And, um, I hope all this made sense. You know, I hope, uh, you learn something about ESTJs, about Captain Marvel, about Brie Larson, and um, you know, and typing fictional characters because it's not easy to do. But when it all clicks like that and things make sense, it's really satisfying. There are plenty of times where it doesn't make sense, and um, there are things you have to consider. You know, there are inconsistencies, especially with like long series type of shows. You can certainly see how there's like a different writer sometimes. Um, for different actors or after a while um, you start to see the actor's personality leak into the character's personality. I've seen that with like Bruce Banner, for example, with Mark Ruffalo Um, Bruce Banner is supposed to be more naturally an INTP, but he definitely um, Mark Ruffalo is also an ENFP. And I think he comes, I think he's an ENFP at least. Um, And, and a lot of that introversion extroverted intuition kind of comes out more than the introverted thinking does. Um, Cause I, I just don't think they've developed that character as much as we think that they have, <laughs> but you know, there's going to be more. I'm, I'm going to do more of these as I can think of to do them. I'm not, I don't have a set schedule for how I'm going to release these. I just want to do this every once in a while because sometimes I feel compelled and I can't help it. So, um, you know, we'll see. I think there are some other um, personalities I want to break down. And um, if you have any requests, please let me know. You can leave a voice message here on anchor.fm slash super MBTI, uh, or hit me up at Twitter at super MBTI or at let's go C note. Um, I think I'm going to reinstate the Twitter account as well. And, uh, you know, just talk about fictional character personality types and, you know, have some fun with it. But if you want to get serious with it, which we're all trying to take it seriously as well, cause there are going to be some serious episodes too. Um, go to dopamine.teachable.com to sign up for the free Myers-Briggs course. And, uh, that's just like a 30 segment long, full breakdown of Myers-Briggs podcast style, uh, many, many hours of just everything that I can think of in terms of like 
the beginnings of understanding Myers-Briggs. So that's it. Um, I need to go do things. <laughs> so I'm going to do that. I uh, appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. You can check out my stuff at cnote.media. And um, that's it for today. So I'll catch you next time on Super Myers-Briggs Turbo EX. Later. Hey, thanks for listening to Super Myers-Briggs Turbo EX. We're going to help you with Myers-Briggs and all that fun stuff. And uh, if you want to jump straight into the advanced course, go to supermbti.training. If you want to check out my other shows, go to dopamine.life for mental, my mental health podcast. And you can go to cnote.show to check out the media podcast. So if you love this show, go to anchor.fm slash supermbti and leave some love, leave a review, share it with your friends, all that good stuff. And uh, most of all, thank you. Thank you for listening to Super Myers-Briggs Turbo EX. Yeah.